Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Well, so far in the early goings of the 2019 baseball and fantasy baseball season, we've got a lot of great performances from players that we did not necessarily expect it from. And that leads us to ask, are they good? We will be answering those questions about several players today, including the top three second basemen in fantasy baseball so far. They are not Jose Altuve or with Merrifield or Ozzie Albies or anyone like that. Welcome to the Thursday show. It is April 4th. I am Adam Azer. Scott White and Heath Cummings are here. Good morning, Scott White. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Heath Cummings. Adam, how are you doing? <sighs> Fra- like frazzled. Kind of a hectic. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. I didn't have my coffee this morning, and I don't like to talk to anybody when I don't have my coffee, you know? I, I can relate to that completely. Heath hasn't had his coffee, so he, he might be a little ornery today. Um, Scott and I yeah. don't drink co- Scott, you don't drink coffee, Way right? Way to steal his material, Adam. Good going. <laughs> just trying to, uh, you know, just trying to poke the bear a little bit. Okay, so before we get into are they good, we got some big news. First of all, if you're playing in daily leagues or DFS or whatever, San Diego, St. Louis, and Seattle, Chicago have been postponed. Meanwhile, Jeremy Jeffress will begin a rehab assignment tomorrow, so we will see what happens when he gets back. Francisco Lindor is going to miss at least two more weeks with a sprained ankle. Apparently his calf is fine, but two more weeks with a sprained ankle. Heath, a reaction on Francisco Lindor? This is nothing new. We thought, I think we heard earlier this week or last week, it was going to be three weeks, so he's... Seemingly progressing fine. It's nice to hear that at least the Indians don't think the ankle was related to the calf. Hopefully it was not, and hopefully he's back in two weeks and fine. Okay, we've got some injuries potentially opening up some opportunities for first baseman here. Scott, Marcelo Ozuna will have an MRI on his side. That's never good. And Jake Lamb left with a quad strain, and he's going to have an MRI. So Jose Martinez could play more. Obviously Christian Walker could play more uh what are your thoughts on those guys i am i'm moderately excited about christian walker who has put up big numbers in the minors the past few years he's 28 years old and has waited a long time for an opportunity that he finally seems to have and seems to be seizing here in the early going i think a natural comparison is jesus aguilar who nobody was really uh, putting much fantasy stock into it at the start of last year, and then an opportunity suddenly opened up for him, and he becomes a must-start high-end first baseman. I don't, you know, it's it's too early to say Walker's going to become that, but I would put him about on the Tyler White level of um, w- uh, of w- first baseman that need to be owned and um, potentially what is that? somebody who's going to... What, you know what it what is. What is that <laughs> UFO in the background? <laughs> <laughs> is that your phone? <laughs> I haven't heard your phone in a while, so I yes. forgot the the ri- vibrate. Just put this it. This is on my vi- sister. This is my sister's texting style. She doesn't like write a long text. Oh. She'll send like rapid fire text before she gets to the end of a complete thought. Oh. Do you do you have a vibrate mode on your phone, right? Yeah. Well, I just turn the volume down. No, vibrate, not down. Like all, like vibrate off. 
boop, 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 Well, I wouldn't boop, hear it boop. if it was just vibrating. Well, you don't but have no, to I hear it. it down, the point. So. <laughs> I know. I just turned it down, and you guys are saying that's not good enough. Okay. Um, uh, so, uh, Christian Walker. Well, who would you rather have, Walker or Jose Martinez? I would rather have I would rather have Walker because there's also Tyler O'Neill who figures to factor into the Cardinals outfield mix. And so uh yeah, I don't I don't I don't think it's as likely Jose Martinez would be playing every day if this ends up being a big deal for uh, Ozuna, which we don't even necessarily know that it is. Oh yeah, or Jake Lamb I guess for that matter. Uh yeah, he's going on the DL. I think that's pretty safe to say. What? In Lamb's case. Yeah, 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 I guess so. Um, or IL, excuse me. The IL. Okay, so would you guys, Heath, would you rather have, or would either of you drop Ryan McMahon for Christian Walker? I would not. No. Okay. All right, Um, and then moving on, we have Williams Ostudio starting to play a little bit more maybe. He's only started two of five games. Um, but he started at third base yesterday. He's 63% owned. Williams Ostudio is catcher eligible, 63% owned, as I mentioned. He's six for nine. No walks, no strikeouts. So I guess, like, we'll just use Francisco Mejia. That's the one that people keep. Should I drop Francisco Mejia? Would you drop him for Ostudio? Ah, uh, I mean, they've started the same number of games so far, right? I, I feel like yeah. Mejia is the higher upside play there. And. I mean, even the start he got yesterday was at third base, which eventually won't be an option for him when Miguel Sano returns. Uh, they're, they're, they're both guys who we want to see to play, to see play more, right? Um, I, I think I'd rather have Mejia. I, I think I'm going to go with Estadio. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure that we've fully recognized what his upside is. Yeah. Or that we fully know what his well, upside yeah, is. Well, yeah, what is it? I mean, I, I know he's really interesting. He never strikes out, pretty much never. Uh, but how good of a hitter is he? He's kind of a singles hitter, isn't he? Um, I think he could be a doubles hitter for sure. He may not have a ton of upside in Roto other than the fact that he might hit 330. Right. Which would be a pretty big boost from your catcher. Yes, sir. All right, thank you very much uh, for your thoughts on the big news. Also, one other news item. I have 15 points in a 12-team Roto League. 15. That's really bad. Like, 12's the minimum, right? Yeah. Second place has 49 points. First place has 103 points. I have 15 points. That means I'm in last in almost every single category. I feel better now. Thank you. That was like my coffee. (laughs) Unbelievable. Every reliever I throw out there, just garbage. Steve Ciszek, three walks, three earned runs yesterday. Mike Trout, can you hit a home run, Mike Trout? Jose Altuve, can you hit more home runs? Alex Bregman, can you do something? With terrible team, terrible team. Can't can't do auctions on the air. <laughs> Those are good players, you name. Yeah, I know, right? I think I think things are looking up I hope, well, already. They're not going to be looking down. I will finish with more than fifteen fantasy points, I guarantee, or points rather, in that <laughs> roto league. All right, here we go, guys. Are they good? Also, later in the show, buy low, sell high, and players were actually worried about just one week into the season. Are they good? The second base edition. The top three second basemen right now in fantasy are Colton Wong one, Enrique Hernandez, Kike Hernandez two. Uh, and Yoan Moncada, three. So, are Colton Wong, Kike Hernandez, and Yoan Moncada good, Heath? I don't believe Colton Wong is good. He's had 2,300 plate appearances to show if he was good, and so it's going to take more than 24 for me to believe that something's changed. 
I think Enrique Hernandez is sneaky good. He's not like top 12 second baseman good, but I do think that he is sneaky good and, and somebody that I want to start in a Roto League for sure. And then Yohan Moncada is probably the one that I'm most excited about just because he has the best pedigree. He has um, the most upside, and he has been just – he ripped the cover off the baseball yesterday. Not literally. Yeah, and all year. And Moncada has not faced lefties yet. The White Sox have the second fewest at bats against lefties. He's one for one with a home run against lefties, but – that has been something that's held Moncada back, a 6'11 OPS in his career against Southpaws. But so far, he's batting 450 with two home runs, three walks, three strikeouts. That's great. Kike Hernandez yep. is batting 435 with three home runs, four walks, three strikeouts. And Colton Wong, you know, a listener pointed out via email, I, I did not see this, that after the All Star break, Scott, Colton Wong batted 317. They only hit two home runs, but um, mm-hmm. 13 walks, 17 strikeouts. He wasn't playing every day. Uh, but, you know, he's he's carrying that over. So, anyway, what do you think about these second basemen? Are they good? No, I mean, I need to see a lot more from Wong. If we find out he did something, like he joined the fly ball revolution, which I haven't seen anything along those lines, then obviously it opens the door for him to uh, maybe add some power that we thought was going to be there at the start of things and just has never shown up. But Moncada's the one who's showing the most. You mentioned only three strikeouts and 20 at-bats. He struck out in 25% of his plate appearances this spring. And that was kind of the range we always set for him. With his batted ball profile, if he could get that strikeout rate down to 25%, that that could be the precursor to a breakout. Still a small sample size, even if you include spring training, but it's it's very encouraging to see for a guy who um, who, who flashes when he makes contact. High-end ability. Are you more likely to buy, sell, or hold Yoan Moncada right now? I would agree with that, yes. Okay, let's do Are They Good? The shortstop edition. Dansby Swanson and Marcus Simeon. Swanson is only 26% owned. He has two home runs and a double, three walks, four strikeouts in five games. Marcus Simeon, 62% owned. Right now he has a 932 OPS, and two previous seasons it was below 730. So uh, he's hitting up. But five walks, five strikeouts for Marcus Simeon so far this season. Are Swanson and Simeon good, Heath? Is Swanson okay? He got hurt last night, right? He didn't end up leaving the game, but okay. he, his surgically repaired wrist, he was favoring it after a play on defense, said it felt fine in his last two at-bats. I, I am a little bit excited about both of these guys, but it's only relative to where we drafted them or possibly picking them up to be a middle infielder. I don't think either of them is going to be an actual difference maker. Who would you rather have, Swanson or Simeon? Uh, Simeon. Scott, are you seeing anything from these two shortstops that uh, make you think, I don't know, they could have nah, seasons? Not, not anything new. I, they're, they're both guys who you're looking at if you lost Trey Turner right now, probably. And I would trust the, with the one who's shown the most, which is Marcus Simeon. But that's not, that's not an especially high ceiling. Okay, here's the starting pitcher edition of Are They Good? Freddie Peralta, eight scoreless innings, 11 strikeouts. He did not record one ground ball out in this game. It was all strikeouts and flyouts. Um, Freddie Peralta, Carlos Rodon, and then the Mats, Matt Boyd and Matt Shoemaker. All of these guys were just awesome yesterday. 
There you see, if you're watching on video, hey, by the way, watch on video. Um, Peralta, Rodon, Boyd, and Shoemaker. Scott, are they good? The one who has changed my opinion the most is the first of those two mats, Matt Boyd, who seems to be taking the Robbie Ray route to success this year, where his best pitch, the slider, he's throwing it a ton. Uh, actually threw it nearly as often as his fastball in this game. 26 swinging strikes. I think that's the biggest number we've seen this year. Just off going off memory, I feel like it is. In this outing, that half of the slider was ha- responsible for half of them. And this was against the Yankees. The first start was against the Blue Jays. Okay, uh, maybe it's hard to believe. But even the, in their injury-depleted de- state, the Yankees have a lot of good hitters in that lineup. I think Boyd uh. is, is must-own, and I wouldn't be looking to move him. <laughs> uh, Shoemaker's shown a lot in the first couple outings, too. But his second, his first was against the Tigers. His second against the Orioles. There's still that hanging over it. And then uh, who was the third one? Oh, two of oh, two Peralta. Peralta and Carlos Rodon. And and you said Boyd is the yeah. one who's changed your mind the most, but does that mean you actually like him the most of this group? Peralta, Rodon, oh, yeah. Boyd? Yeah, he's must-own, and I wouldn't be looking to move him if I owned him. I wouldn't be looking to sell high on Boyd. I think he could be one of this year's biggest breakouts. Woo! After two starts, that's my takeaway there. Wow. Uh, okay. I think I've added one or more of these pitchers in almost every league that I'm in. I'm interested in all of them. I don't disagree with anything Scott said about Matt Boyd, except for the Yankees having a lot of good hitters in their lineup. Aaron uh, Judge. There's one. Robert Torres. They, Luke Voigt. Gary Sanchez. Mm. Gary Sanchez. I Gary mean, Sanchez and Aaron Judge are right definitely there. good hitters. Okay, but here's the thing. Definitely two. I, I knew this would come up. And if you think about it, you got LeMahieu is a respectable hitter. You know, puts the bat on the ball. Uh, you got Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, Luke Voigt. It may not be that great of a lineup, but how many lineups in the American League are actually better than that? And how many lineups in the American League Central are better than that? I would say maybe the Twins, and that is it. So it it might not have been a great lineup, but the fact is, like in the American League, he's going to face a lot of bad lineups. I do have to point one thing right. out about Matt Boyd. This is not just my opinion. This was said over and over again in the quotes, in the postgame quotes. Even the managers were saying the shadows were brutal yesterday. And even his own manager, Ron Gardenhire, said uh, the, the shadows made it very easy you know, or very difficult for hitters, especially with the slider. Right. So, but yeah, with had... the slider because it breaks about the point the slider comes through. The one guy I'll, I'll say Carlos Rodon, and just because I can never quit Carlos Rodon, and he's the guy I had high, ranked the highest of this group at the start of the season. He would still be the guy that I would have ranked the highest. Two very encouraging starts against two very bad offenses. You just got to hope he can keep it going. He gets Tampa Bay next week, Carlos Rodon. Matt Boyd gets Cleveland next week. So even if you just are thinking, oh, stream him for one start, Cleveland next week for Boyd could be great. And I think what's interesting is that we haven't really said Freddie Peralta, and he's the most owned by far on this list at 81%. Uh, yeah. He's just weird. He's 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 probably the weird. Well, maybe aside from Chris Sale, he's probably the weirdest pitcher to assess right now because he throws 80% fastballs. And apparently it's a really good fastball. He's had multiple starts like this already in his major league career, but it, it's it, there seems to be a lot of volatility there mm-hmm. where when maybe it's not in peak form, there just isn't enough to fall back on. That's kind of my that's kind of how I'm assessing Peralta right now. It's just a little too a little too volatile for me. Sure. I mean last year Peralta in his first four starts he had a one fifty nine ERA. Three of those four starts he allowed three or fewer hits and no earned runs. So he looked unbelievable 
And then his last 10 starts, he had a 565 ERA. So that is part of Peralta's history. It's a tough group here, I guess. Yeah. How, how would you compare them to Trevor Richards, who's also he's like 67% owned? And he pitched pretty well yesterday. I might be ready to to sneak Boyd ahead of Richards. Um, I don't know. I I probably would put him behind the Marlins Stallions right now. <laughs> yeah, Which Richards would, would be Richards would be ahead of all these guys for me. But he's the only Marlins pitcher who's ahead of all these guys. Okay. Yeah. All of them? You have all of them ahead of. I them. don't have. No, I'm saying he's the only one that would be at the top of this list. So you you okay. take Richards one, and then like Rodon two, Heath. Yes. And then who? Boyd That's... or Shoemaker or Peralta? So you're. Um, it sounds like you're higher on all of these guys than I am. Then. Well, I think I'm probably have... lower on the Marlins, on the uh, air quote stallions, than everyone <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Richard. By the way, I'm not. Start. I'm not including Arania. To be clear, I'm not including Arania, and I'm not really including Sandy Alcan- Alcantara with the. Who, uh, who is probably the, the one I like the second most? So. Okay. <laughs> Would you guys rather have Lucas Giolito or? Matt, Schultz all of these guys over Giolito, and every Marlins pitcher, and the rest of the Brewers pitchers. How about Jordan Zimmerman? Most of the White uh, Sox pitchers. I would, I would take Giolito over Shoemaker and Rodon. I so s- clearly, because because he loves, loves Rodon most of this group. Clearly, it's it's a tangled mess here to it, try and exactly <laughs> sort through. It really is. So as I'm looking at the most added list, uh, I think Eric Lauer is one that. If you own, you can drop him for some of these more exciting guys. He's 71% owned. All of them. Yep. Uh, Domingo Armand, 57% owned? No. Keep him? Uh, he's kind. Boyd is kind of in the same range, but otherwise Armand would top the group for me. I think I have... I, I haven't moved Boyd up yet enough, but I, I'd rather have Boyd. I'd rather have Rodon. I think I'd rather have Peralta than Armand. How about Corbin Burns? Burns tops all of them. Yeah, I know I have Burns ahead of Peralta. Uh, I'm not sure if I had him ahead of Rodon or not. I know that we are talking about the same guys basically every show, but I think it's the most important thing right now. I think trying to figure out who the best of the bunch is with these waiver wire starting pitchers, and I imagine that as we... A month, like three weeks, a month from now, the list will be different. It's just guessing at this point, but hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll be pretty accurate. Um, but I think that's the most important thing right now. In fact, based on my inbox, based on my tweets, that's what most people are asking right now. So that was your starting pitcher edition of Are They Good? Here's your first base slash outfield edition of Are They Good? Ryan O'Hearn is 88% owned, quietly off to a nice start, batting 333 with one home run. They've only faced one lefty starter, and he did sit. That was opening day. Ryan O'Hearn. Trey Mancini, batting 417 with three home runs. Randall Gritchick, 75% owned. Two ding-dongs yesterday for Randall Gritchick after he signed his overpay contract. And Brandon Nimmo, 80% owned. He's off to a terrible start. He's batting 100 with four walks, which is good, but 13 strikeouts, which is bad. Are they good? Ryan O'Hearn, Trey Mancini, Randall Gritchick, Brandon Nimmo. This is first base slash outfield. Yes. I tell you. Yes. Okay. Um, I think the one, well, I, I think Nemo and Grichik are the two that are the most relevant in mixed leagues, which is would have been my opinion coming in, too. 
O'Hearn's going to have playing time issues, but there's definitely power there. And I just don't think Mancini's ceiling's high enough, especially in that lineup, to factor outside of Roto Leagues where you just have a ton of lineup spots you have to fill. And Randall Gritchick's well worth his contract. Well, he really isn't because he signed, he signed for more than like Severino. He signed for, who was the other guy who signed uh, the same Well, day? I think he's, it's a different situation because I think he may be a free agent after this year. Okay. Severino was yeah. Under I just cheap wonder, like, because Grichik at his best has been like a two-win player, and you know how how valuable are how much do those guys really make on the open market when they're um, you know basically corner outfielders? It, it doesn't seem like much. So I I wonder I wonder what kind of assumption the Blue Jays are making in terms of salary escalation there. So it was Ar- Armand Marquez. I, it, the, got, most surpri- got, the most surprising. Yeah. Of the extension Palooza guys was actually yesterday, though. David Bodie yeah, of the yeah. Cubs signed a five-year deal. Right, but Armand Marquez, that was a shocker to me. five years, $43 million for Marquez, five years, $52 million for Grichik. I mean, which contract do you like better? It's an easy one. Well, it's they're, like Keith was saying, I mean, in, I think in Marquez's case, they bought out some pre-arbitration years. Mm-hmm. So, um, And obviously the early, like the first arbitration year, a guy doesn't make much money either. Gritchick right. is just further along the service time ladder. So, but I would expect them to be a little closer, I guess, than Gritchick having that much of a advantage over Marquez. I'm getting close to dropping Brandon Nimmo, but I don't really want to. It's just like there are exciting players out there. Should we be patient with Nimmo or or cut him loose? Has he played against I, a I mean, lefty yet? I th- I'm not sure that they faced one. They faced at least one because Ahmed Rosario let off, and he didn't. Nimmo didn't start. Oh, okay. Well, Nimmo also was a little banged up for one game, and that may have been it. Uh, this I, is actually I don't, I don't something know I wrote about yesterday. I, I think it depends entirely on format. If you know, if it's a three outfielder points league, and you're trying to stockpile your bench with starting pitcher, and there's so many options emerging right now that you're having to make these really tough calls. I mean, Nimmo, you drafted to be your third outfielder, probably, right? I, if you feel like there's a guy you can trust more in that third outfield spot better, you don't need to stick Brandon Nimmo on your bench in the hopes that he becomes a better third outfielder at some point. There's always going to be outfielders available in that format. I would say the same for Jesse Winker, too, by the way. As much as I like him, as much as I still think at some point this season he could take off and become a must-start player, I don't know when. My bench space is too precious right now to devote a spot to him in that format and deeper formats where the kind, the caliber of player you're looking at on the waiver wire is, is much lower than fine. That's the upside play. But I think particularly in points leagues where you're having, there's just too many starting pitchers to roster. You don't need a backup infielder on your bench who, um, you know, you wouldn't feel comfortable starting at this point. Right, but the problem with dropping Nimmo in a points league is that he does lead off, and he's let off five out of six games, including they faced two lefties. I know he was hurt for one of the games. I don't know if that's why he sat against one of the lefties, but you're right, Heath Rosario led off in that game. In the other lefty, the game against Patrick Corbin, Nimmo led off. He is such a good on-base guy, and he leads off. He's actually tailor-made for points leagues. Um, but, look, he's the kind of guy that you drop now, and if he, he's not like he's going to win the MVP. So, you know, if he has a good season, whatever. I'm sure you can replace him. Uh, but I want to be a little bit patient with him. It's only one week. It's only five games for him. He's batting 100. He does have four walks. 
All right, we got a lot more to get to. Uh, Corey Kluber struggled. Miles Michaelis struggled. Buy low, sell high. Players were concerned about. Some more news and notes, by the way. Jesse Winker, Scott Schebler, and Matt Kemp, they are one for 42 so far this season <laughs> for the Cincinnati Reds. That is not very good. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look at the bullpen, interesting uh, bullpen developments in yesterday's game. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Ryan Brazier. Hey, uh, team name Tuesday on a Thursday. Ryan Brazier Crane. Brazier Crane? Like Fraser? Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, I got you. Thanks. Uh, he got a save. I I hated that show. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, drink drink some coffee, Heath. It's a good show. No. Uh, Brazier got a save. Matt Barnes got Chris Davis out in the seventh, and then pitched the eighth, and then Brazier came out of the ninth. David Robertson struggled again. People are freaking out about David Robertson. Uh, the the looks like Alex Reyes got a save opportunity yesterday, and he coughed it up. Blake Parker got a one-out save as Trevor May pitched five outs. And I just want to talk about Jose Alvarado when we get a chance because he came into the eighth, but my God, he's filthy. So, Heath, let's, let's talk about, actually, David Robertson. I think we should start with him. What would you tell the David Robertson owner right now? He's off to a very bad start. Well, the good thing for him is Anthony Domingos was bad as well. I, I would, do not have any David Robertson this year, and it wasn't because I was afraid he was going to be bad. It was because of Gabe Kapler and how they were going to use the relievers. And this makes me even more concerned about the way Robertson has started this season because if they, you already have a manager that's prone to using his relievers in a variety of different ways, and then Robertson's not asserting himself as the best reliever, it could get really scary. You're not dropping him, though, are you? I, not in a roto league for sure. Are you in picking a points up? League? Are you picking up anybody else? How about that from in the Phillies bullpen? I'm not picking up anybody else in the Phillies bullpen. I would drop Robertson for one of the young, exciting sparks. Okay, Scott, what is your take on the Red Sox and Cardinals bullpens? Yeah, so I was under the assumption, I think most of us were that Matt Barnes was the closer after he got the save on the second day of the season. He hadn't worked since that was his only appearance, uh, which says something about the way the Red Sox season has gone. But uh, I think, I think the the it was a tie game he entered. So like the next time there was a high leverage situation, they wanted to get him some work and he got four outs in this one. I still think he's the preferred option here, but clearly Brazier's like a one a, or Alex Cora, and it may be it may end up being a split, kind of like David Robertson and Sir Anthony Dominguez have, which um, you know could be anywhere from like seventy five twenty five to sixty forty. I think I'm I'm a little concerned today as the Barnes owner. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. As I mentioned, I mean he came in to get Chris Davis, the clearly best hitter in the seventh. Right. But he didn't get save. <laughs> You know, um, Brazier did. And what, so I don't know that Jordan Hicks was available, Scott. I, I didn't read that he wasn't, but he pitched Sunday and then he threw 32 pitches yeah. over two innings on Monday. So do you think it was just, uh, an, another day off for Hicks? 
Yeah, I I think so. I don't, I mean, because his last outing was great. Two of his three outings have been great. I don't know why they wouldn't have used him otherwise. The guy who got the save here, Dakota Hudson, obviously in the rotation right now. So that was, uh, I, I assume, off days allowed for him to come into the bullpen in that scenario. Yes. But Alex Reyes is a threat to Jordan Hicks. I mean, Jordan Hicks not only isn't a proven closer, he's not even really a proven high-end reliever. So there are going to be times when his role is called into question. And, and Alex Reyes could be one of those guys that calls it into question. Carlos Martinez, when he returns from the IL as well. So yeah. there's, he, he's not a sure thing, Hicks. Alex Reyes is 52% owned. He's not off to the best start. I'm going to look up Carlos Martinez's uh, ownership percentage, 76% owned. So that is someone that you could stash. Another guy you could stash is Brandon Morrow. He could be back in early May. He's 54% owned, and nobody in the Cubs bullpen is doing anything to hold down that job. Now we have like a month before Morrow's back. Ciszek is a better pitcher than what he when he showed yesterday. Strope is a better pitcher than what he's been showing. But right now the Cubs bullpen is an absolute mess, and that's a good development for Morrow. Meanwhile, Blake Parker got a save. He got a one-out save. Trevor May got five outs. He pitched the eighth, two outs in the ninth, and then Blake Parker came in and got his second save of the season at Kansas City. I did pick up Blake Parker. I dropped Steve Ciszek. That was an easy call for me. Um, would you guys drop David Robertson? For Blake Parker. No, and I, I'm still not certain. Like I know that uh, Parker has two saves now, and Parker was the guy that I wanted the most of at the beginning of the year. But this was a pretty clear situation of Blake Parker came in because Alex Gordon was up with one out left. I mean, he just came in to get the lefty. So I And think Taylor Rodgers was unavailable, who probably would have gotten the lefty if he was. They feel comfortable that they have three relievers they can use in the ninth inning. I don't believe they have a set closer. They might at some point, but they're all going to kind of take turns. The only guy that really hasn't done it, got to finish it yet, I guess, is Trevor May. Yeah. Uh, and then Jose Alvarado pitched in a tie game in the eighth inning at home, whereas Diego, Diego Castilla pitched in the ninth. But I just don't know that I realized how good Jose Alvarado is. He threw a 99-mile-per-hour fastball that moved so much to Charlie Blackman. He struck out the side, and he had a great year last year. Um, guy's really a st- – I mean, am I wrong? Jose Alvarado is, is a stud. I don't know that he's going to no, get he's, every he's save. he's good. Yeah. He's Terrific. good, but this is – this the, the usage during this Rockies series has been concerning because there's two appearances in a row where he's worked the eighth and Diego Castillo's worked the ninth. Now, Castillo didn't get a save in either of those chances – but he did get a save earlier, and uh, it it may be a lefty-righty play the matchup scenario between those two. I would still favor Alvarado because I think he's better, but Castillo's pretty good himself. He is. Yeah, he is. That's a good team, the very good bullpen, and Castillo's only 15% owned. So uh, Castillo or Parker, guys, real quick, we'll wrap up bullpen. Castillo or Parker? Uh, I would go Castillo. It seems like there's fewer competitors there but in both bullpen situations i would take the lefty like i would rank between those two bullpens i would rank them alvarado rogers yeah the rogers then diego castillo and blake parker yeah i think i'd take parker over castillo do they have alvarado over all of them okay all right guys let's talk trade here buy low sell high and who are we concerned about after just one week heath i'm going to let you kick it off who is your buy low candidate for Thursday, April 4th, early in the season. 
I'm going to go with Eddie Rosario, and it, it took me a long time to actually believe that Eddie Rosario was good. Not great, but good. And I think it took a lot of other people um, not very long at all to decide he may not be good again. So you look at his production earlier in the early in the year. Yeah, he struck out too much, but it's a very small sample size. He's walked a ton more than he normally does, too. His BABIP is just absolutely awful. I think Rosario is going to be a fine third or fourth outfielder, and I, I think you can almost get him for free right now. Eddie Rosario last year. Oh, how come I? Oh, because he missed some time. Uh, he was 30th in. I was going to say, how come I don't have where he finished among outfielders? He was. He only played 138 games, but the year before, 30th in points, 23rd in roto. Scott, you have a buy low candidate. Yeah, I mean, the hard part about buying low this time of year is having someone actually believe it, it's it's low. It's 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 uh, a guy's expected outcome has actually changed. And so I'm going to go with Miles Michaelis here, who had another not-so-great start yesterday. And because strikeouts aren't a big part of his uh, repertoire, when he's bad, it, it doesn't look like there's much that's redeemable there. So the first start was awful. The second start, not so great with only two strikeouts. I think there's a possibility maybe the Michaelis owner is thinking he purchased some fool's gold here. And uh, you can try to make a play for him. He still should... Pitch a lot of innings, be good at run prevention for a team that you know, is, is going to be in the playoff picture. Yeah, so I think I might be one of those Michaelis owners, and I don't own him. But I, I might be one that you're talking about that would be a little concerned that I purchased some fool's gold. Uh, if he doesn't strike out more batters, I just don't see how he could repeat what he did last year. And so far, he's got five strikeouts in ten innings. So that's I mean, there there are three legs to that FIP triangle, right? Which helps estimate what an ERA could be. Strikeouts gets the most attention, and it contributes something in its own right in fantasy. But the other two, limiting home runs, limiting walks, Michaelis was elite at both last year. So right. that's how it could happen, and but, that's how I expect it to happen still. But what was his FIP? A couple not-so-great starts. His FIP? It was what, uh, 328? 328. Pretty good. His 283 really RA, yeah, it's very good. All right, I, I don't know. Just, okay, all right. Hey, you know what's interesting? Um, the top three most traded players in CBS Sports Leagues are Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, and Zach Greinke. So I don't know what the trades were. Maybe they weren't really by those, but people are making trades involving mm. Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, and Zach Greinke. And you as an owner have to decide, are these good by lows or are these guys that are not going to have such a great season? Um, yeah. What are you willing to pay for them? I, I have a feeling Corey Kluber's start yesterday was just nothing. He said his mechanics were off. You know, he was mm-hmm. fine last time out. But, you know, kind of a, I'm guessing a low strikeout rate. He only struck out five and seven innings in his first appearance. And, yeah, anyway, between Sale, Kluber, and Granke, you know, do you think that they're all worth offering right now? Offering, making offers for right now. Uh, I, I, okay, so Sale is pretty much the only ace level pitcher who has two bad starts now. I mean, I guess we could argue whether yesterday's was really bad, but it's the first time he ever had one strikeout in four innings or more, and it was you know six innings. So that's it was bad. It was bad. Um, Granky's had one good start. 
Uber has. I, I would definitely buy low on them. Sale is a player you have to be concerned about. I would be more likely to sell Sale if I got another ace caliber pitcher in return. I've dropped him to ninth in my rankings. So that kind of shows you the range where I'm looking where, okay, yeah, sales upside may be higher, but just to rid myself of the headache, if I'm still getting an ace in return, I'm willing to dump that off. Uh, but, you know, somebody offered us Jamison Tyone, Tyone straight up for Chris Sale on the podcast for the People League last year, and that's, I mean, yesterday. Yeah, and that's yeah. uh, that's too Can't low. That. I'm talking, you know, if I can get Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole, uh Corey Kluber, somebody like that, then yes, I how would about, be willing to move on from sale. How about Kershaw? somebody else's problem. How about Kershaw? How about who? Kershaw. Kershaw? No. Nope. He's got uh, his own issues. Heath, you want to weigh in quickly on sale, Kluber, Granke? Uh, yeah, I'd be trying to make an offer for all of them. I think they're, I don't think sale's going to be a top two starting pitcher or maybe even a top five starting pitcher, but I think eventually he's going to be very good again. I think Grinky's fine. And I don't really have any concerns over Kluber's most recent start. So if you can get somebody to dump an ace like that for less than ace value, do it. All right, then. Let's go to uh, our sell high guys. Scott, who are we selling high on this early in the season? I'm selling high on Josh Hader. Again, with the idea that you got to convince somebody he's really this good. We know Josh Hader's good. I mean, he was an outlier among middle relievers last year. He was drafted pretty much everywhere, despite... Nobody having much hope for him to be a full-time closer. Well, now there's hope for him to be a full-time closer. All four of the Brewers save opportunities he's gotten, and he's converted the last three in a traditional one-out, one-inning sense. But Craig Council was so steadfast last year in terms of having to keep Hader in that flexible multi-inning role that I still think that's what he wants. And if Jeremy Jeffress, who's now beginning a rehab assignment, should be back soon, if he's back to full health, I think Council would be happy to move Hader back to the role where we're used to seeing him, and Jeffers becomes the main closer. So um, just because he's among the saves leaders now, now I'm, there's a good chance a lot of people are believing that Hader is just the guy. And if he is just the guy, they might pay top two, three closer value for him. All right, Josh Adam, Hader. Yeah. Uh, Josh Hader has a zero ERA. Can you guess what his FIP is? Zero. Negative .47. Well, that's not fair because the FIP doesn't factor in balls that were actually hit out of the park but saved by Lorenzo Cain because he should have that's a run. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so Scott is by, is selling Josh Hader. And Heath, who's your sell high? Uh, I'm going to go with Madison Bumgarner. I've not seen enough from him yet to really believe that he's back. I know he has changed a little bit. I just don't know that the approach he's changed to is going to be good enough once everybody else catches up. And he's got that nice sparkling low ERA because of his stupid error and his grand slam not counting. So <laughs> I, if I can get top 25 starting pitcher value for Bumgarner, I'm gladly taking it. Would you give him up for Zach Greinke? I would be thrilled to turn Madison Bumgarner into Zach Greinke. <laughs> okay. Madison Baumgartner. Thrilled. Yeah, so far, uh, sparkling 138 ERA. What's his FIP? Uh, his FIP is, I would guess it's around four. And now that I've guessed, I can tell you it is 3.62. Very good. Good job. Uh, real quick, uh, Jeremy Jeffress is owned in 34% of leagues to follow up on what Scott was saying. 
that is a guy that you should be stashing, and you should stash him before Brandon Morrow, um, for sure, or before Carlos Martinez, probably, because Jeffers could be coming back very soon. Uh, we got to take another quick break, our last break of the show. Stick around. When we come back, we will talk about players we are actually concerned about. Be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Players we're actually concerned about. Here we go. I I have a list. I didn't do any buy lows or sell highs, but I do have a list of three guys that I am legitimately concerned about and then one guy that I'm going to ask you about. But, you know, concerned at this point is like I was concerned coming into the year and they're off to bad starts, right? Brian Dozier, two for 18, one walk, seven strikeouts. Now it is important to note that he batted second yesterday with Trey Turner on on the I.L., so that's nice for Dozier. Jerks and Profar is 5 for 36. And I was concerned about Profar because he did so much of his damage at home last year. He had a 5.11 slugging percentage at home, 4.05 on the road. And obviously the ballpark change is dramatic for him in a bad way. And Miguel Cabrera is 3 for 25 with 3 walks and 9 strikeouts. I'm wondering when fantasy owners are going to drop all three of these guys. Brian Dozier, Jerks and Profar, and Miguel Cabrera. Fellas, what do you think? I'll start with you, Heath. Um, I would su- assume shortly we'll start seeing those ownership percentages go down. I Dozier is a hard one because he was so, so bad last year at the end that he couldn't even play. But he's also been really, really bad at the start of a season before and then turned back into a borderline star. So, and second base is a terrible position. Right. If there's someone that you're excited about starting a second base, I have no problem dropping him. And then Profar is the other one that's really interesting because he has so much eligibility at different positions. But I don't, I, I don't see the enormous upside with him, so I don't really feel bad about dropping him either. There's no, there's no qualms about dropping Miggy. Miggy, okay. Uh, Scott, you want to defend your man, Jerks and Profar? Well, not exactly. I mean, I all three of these guys. You know, I'm not putting much stock into any performances right now, guys. I'm worried about. Um, it, it's not because of performance, for the most part. I think if you're going to worry about performances, you pick three good candidates for it. But I would definitely prefer to hold on to these three. But at the same time, I think they're also perfect examples of in a shallower league where you're looking to maximize two start options on your bench. So obviously, like a shallower head-to-head league. If you have somebody else you're comfortable starting at the positions they're filling, they might be your ticket to free up another roster spot with the kind of starts they're off to and the level of concern surrounding each of them coming in. Uh, Profar, I think, is the easiest to hold on to, especially if it's like a daily league where you can take advantage of his quadruple eligibility. But he's not in those shallower leagues. He's not beyond dropping. And I want to stress shallower league because obviously... 
I would prefer to hang on to all of these players. I would prefer to have a 60-man roster and have <laughs> everybody I have, uh, you know, some kind of inkling about. But obviously, you can't do that. The three guys we're talking about are Dozier, Profar, and Miguel Cabrera. The one I want to ask you about is Charlie Blackman. Are you concerned about Charlie Blackman? He hasn't played a home game yet, but he's batting two thirty-three. I don't know if he has an extra base hit. Let's see. Yeah, he must. He got that. Thanks for the graphics, guys. He's got the slugging percentage of three hundred, so he probably has a double. But the walk to strikeout ratio. I mean, no walks, seven strikeouts for a guy who you know got getting older. Get moved off of center field, you know. We worried about Charlie. Blackman. Yeah, this is one I'm not. This is one I'm not worried about. Okay. okay, not even a little bit. Okay, so Heath, who are we worried about right now? I think somebody has to say Jesse Winker, um, partially because he has done absolutely, almost quite literally, nothing so far this baseball season. He certainly hasn't got a hit. I think he has one walk, maybe two. Uh, he's got three times as many strikeouts, and the most important thing is not about the performance, but the fact that he's already sat out two games. If, he, if he'd only sat out one, I wouldn't feel that bad about it. Um, but it could be perfectly fine. He could still break out. I'm not saying that there's not upside still left there, but I'm certainly concerned. All right, Jesse Winker. Scott, how about you? Anyone that's concerning to you? I think helping Winker's case is that all Reds outfielders have been terrible, so it's not like he's really fallen behind in the pecking order. But, um, yeah, I, it's also a playing time case for me. Somebody I'd be less comfortable dropping than Winker, actually, in, in the shallow league scenario. And that's Max Muncy, who has sat three games, I believe, for the Dodgers. Yes, three. And uh, all but one left. They face four lefties so far. He sat against the other three. So it looks like they're going strict lefty-righty with him. Despite hopes that maybe with fewer possibi- fewer platoon, pl- platoon possibilities there, they'd look at last year's split and say, okay, this guy needs to play every day. So far, that's not happening. And while I think he's, his bat is impactful enough in like a roto lineup with the corner infield spot, all the extra hitter spots to fill, I wouldn't really be anywhere close to dropping him there, but it's at least starting to enter my mind in a head-to-head lineup context where you don't have the corner infield spot, and again, bench space is so critical. Yeah, just to go back to the to the Reds real quick, um, Nick Senzel, boy, they can't, they must be so excited for him uh, to uh, get healthy and come back because they they could really use second base and outfield help for sure. Um, so I'm sorry, you were saying with Muncie, you would or you would not drop him? Because that, that would be a... I wouldn't drop him anywhere yet, no. Okay, okay, uh, okay. The upside, I think, is too high. But if he if he is truly a platoon player all season long, mm-hmm. he's he's going to have trouble factoring, particularly in like a points league. But Roto Leagues, I, I don't think there's ever a scenario where I'm going to be dropping him this year. And in head-to-head categories league with the li- the smaller lineups... Um, probably not either, but it's at least entering the thought because it doesn't look like he's an everyday player. All right, guys, we're making some good progress today. Entering the thought. We, we, have to, uh, we have to get to the fantasy regulators a little bit later. We have some regulating to do. Your email is at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Some more news and notes. Troy Tulowitzki is likely headed to the DL with a calf strain. That is very surprising. Um, yeah. they, they lasted a week. <laughs> Uh, Tyler Wade replaced him in the Yankees lineup. They called up, or reportedly are calling up, Thyro Estrada. 
Uh, but I guess if you're in an AL only league, Tyler Wade might play pretty regularly for them. He's not very good. Uh, DJ LeMay, who could battle higher in the order, that would be nice. Corey Dickerson has shoulder soreness. AJ Minter's coming off the DL today. Mike Fultonevich is making a rehab start today. Steve Pierce is likely coming off the IL for the Red Sox, probably to start, I would assume, just against lefties for Pierce. Is that right? No platoon with Moreland? Presumably. Okay. Uh, let's see. The Cubs signed David Bodie to a five-year, $15 million deal. Clayton Kershaw expected to make a rehab start today and then another next week, so he'll have two rehab starts before coming back. Um, ben Zobris is 35% owned. He's been leading off against righties. That might be relevant for some of you out there. Byron Buxton did not start. He pinch ran, though, and stole his first base of the season. Jason Kipnis will begin a rehab assignment uh, tomorrow. And I read a crazy story about Ryan Brazier. Maybe you knew about it. It was published like over a week ago. I was just looking into, you know, Red Sox closure situation, Googled Ryan Brazier's name. So there was a USA Today story. He was, after the World Series, I don't know when, but he received a court order uh, because his son, his eight-year-old son, had missed 21 days of school. And he had to appear in court because of this because during the playoffs and the World Series run, he wanted his family to be there. So his son missed all this school. And I don't know who, if the school, the school board, whoever it was, uh, they got really pissed that they were threatening to expel Ryan Brazier's son. So he had to appear in court. That's a lot of days. 21 days in school. But at yeah, the same time, like, like winning the World sounds Series. Sounds like they're going to look into homeschooling. I, <laughs> yeah. know. I, I think it's been resolved, but I thought that was such a crazy story. Um, yeah, that's weird. Fun fact. I missed so many days of school as a senior in high school that uh, – Somebody said, you better start showing up or you're not going to graduate. So I started showing up. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about uh, some players we might be ready to drop. They're all owned in a ton of leagues, 84% or more. In fact, three of them are owned in 95% or more. Are you ready to drop them? Nate Evaldi. Heath, go ahead and say yes. On the dropometer, I would say he is at a 9.5. Okay. But Scott is probably a better person to ask about this player than I am because he actually wanted to draft him. Okay, Nate Evaldi, Scott, you ready to drop him? <laughs> I mean, I might make it like a 6.5. Basically, all of the pitchers we were talking about in the Are They Good segment are ones I'd be willing to drop for him. I'm not saying I absolutely would in the cases of like a Carlos Rodon or Freddy Peralta, some of those I had on the lower end of that group, but he's Evaldi's in that mix. I mean, I feel like the ceiling's lower than basically all of those guys. So I think, Scott, just to clarify what you said, you said those starting pitchers, are they good, that you'd be willing to drop for Evaldi, but I think you meant to say you'd drop Evaldi for them in most yeah. cases. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, you you get me. Adam. I got you. you. Get I, team scam. All right, so you know what? Let's just turn this into the drop meter Our second pitcher on the drop meter is Robert Ray. Uh, wild as always. Five walks yesterday, five walks in his first start. Robbie Ray, Heath, drop meter Zero. Ten. We don't even need to discuss it. Zero. Ten. Wow. Jeez. No, like a six. I, I come down closer to Heath's side like on a this. Six. Oh my God, Robbie not, Ray. He's not even good. What is with you guys? You know that in his last eleven starts last year, Robbie Ray had a two sixty five ERA, and he made three quality starts because the guy can't throw six innings because he throws a hundred pitches in five innings. 
No, I get it. I get what you're saying. I, I have serious doubts he's going to be somebody we're comfortable using on an every start basis this year. And yet, I also recognize there's a possibility he cuts down on those walks just a little. And he's a guy who's basically I get like a poor man's Blake Snell, striking out a dozen every time out and uh, able to go those six innings that are so valuable in the fantasy baseball but world. But he doesn't today. go six so, innings. He doesn't. He goes five. I know he doesn't. I know he doesn't, but it won't it wouldn't take much to get him there, I'm saying. <laughs> and I feel like you can't pass up that upside after two discouraging starts, you know? And he also didn't go six innings very many times in two thousand seventeen when he was like a top fifteen starting pitcher. And, and you would say he was like the luckiest pitcher that year. And no, you didn't like him. I, you, I you, think you, I did call him a bust. Yeah. Going into the next year. But that didn't mean I, he was anywhere. Like, all those are-they-good guys have been definitely better than Robbie Ray, and they may be a little bit safer on a start-to-start basis. None of them can touch Robbie Ray's upside. If you're going to have pitchers on your bench hoping to get upside, this is the pitcher you have on your bench. John Lester, 97% owned, off to an okay start, and was a top 30 starting pitcher last year. Uh, drop-o-meter for Lester. Two? I'll say four. If there's a month of starts like this, then I think we can feel pretty comfortable he's not going to have this Cole Hamels-like resurgence where the strikeout rate jumps back up and he ends up having a pretty good season. Uh, he's he's looking he's looking more like Jake Arrieta last year than Cole Hamels last year, I would say. And in the end, Jake Arrieta was a guy who was getting dropped in a lot of leagues. I mean, he was good against the Braves, right? Yeah, it was I a mean, good start. Obviously, the outcome was good. Ten swinging strikes, I think, uh, show, get, is a better indication of what the stuff was than the seven strikeouts in six innings. Yeah, I mean, Lester at this point might be kind of boring, but boring's not always bad. So he's not a ten on the drop meter I think Keith said zero or two. I think Keith said two and Scott said four. And finally, all right, yep. Heath, uh, break the break, break the drop meter for Julio Tehran. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't believe anyone actually owns him. Eighty-four percent of leagues have have Julio Tehran owned. Uh, I said that yeah, very well. Ten. Ted. <laughs> Scott. I, I mean six. I'm not. He, he's not somebody I'm protecting if something interesting is emerging on the waiver wire. All right. But so I, I don't think there's a, a huge difference between him and Lester in terms of expected outcome. Somewhat running out of time here. So I will sum up the rest of the show and save time for regulators. Jacob deGrom is the most amazing person in baseball. He also had 26 swinging strikes yesterday, and he homered. Uh, Luis Castillo, for some reason the walks are up. Seven walks and two starts. That's unusual for him. But he had another very good start. I still think he's a two-pitch guy. I'd like to see him get that third one going there. Uh, Joey Lucchese. So we want to know going into this year, can Joey Lucchese, Lucchese pitch six innings? And you may have seen the line last night. Lucchese pitched five innings, scoreless, with six strikeouts against Arizona. He only threw 83 pitches. The reason he did not pitch the sixth, he was lifted for a pinch hitter with two on and two outs in the fifth inning. So I do believe that was the reason why they ended up winning the game because of it. Mejia came in and got the base hit and scored a run. So um, I think that you could be you know, not as concerned about Lucchese yet not pitching deep into games. Mm. What? Mm. That's legit. That's what happened. Mm. That's what happened. Okay. 
Okay, but would it have been like his previous start where as soon as he put a runner on in the sixth, they take him out? I think probably. He still looks like a two-pitch pitcher, and that made him terrible the third time through the lineup last year. I'm not saying he's a bad option, but I, it's going to be hard for him to take a big step forward if, if he remains just a two-pitch guy. Would you rather have Lucchese or Robbie Ray? Robbie Ray. Right. Okay. And uh, the only pitcher that was great yesterday that we didn't talk about was Mike Miner. 43% owned, seven scoreless, seven strikeouts against Houston. His first start was terrible. He is at Arizona next week. Uh, do you have any interest in Mike Miner? He's 43% owned. Minor interest. Yeah, that that ownership sounds about right. Okay, fine. We have to acknowledge that joke. It, no. <laughs> he's pretty good okay. at it. He's very quick. Very quick. Uh, hey, yeah. Okay, guys, we have some league disputes. Let's regulate. Send in your league dispute, disputes with a fantasy regulator's subject line to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Don't do it, Heath. Uh, John from Los Angeles has our first oh. regulator's email. <laughs> Okay, I offered a trade for Trey Turner, giving up Jose Ramirez before the injury. So he offered up Ramirez to get Trey Turner. The GM did not reject or accept. Then the Trey Turner injury happens, and I quickly go to my computer to cancel my trade offer, only to see that a few minutes before, the Trey Turner owner accepted, and he got my Jose (laughs) Ramirez for his Trey Turner. Our league policy is no veto unless collusion. Am I screwed what should the rule be regarding this? Oh, you shouldn't play with such jerks, John. <laughs> yeah. No, that is the answer. I mean, a reasonable person would ask, would, well, he would assume you wouldn't want to make the deal, but he would at least ask before, before pulling the trigger when the circumstances change like that. And, uh, you know, if this guy, if this guy, at the very least, you boycott this guy from trades in the future. You don't need to trade with him anymore. He's a jerk. Yeah, I I would say also, because this is something I could 100% see myself doing to one of you, um, just to get you all riled up and throwing a fit before I gave the player back. So I would just make sure that's not what this is. It's hard to believe someone's a big enough jerk to do this and actually mean it. What's a bigger jerk thing to do, to do it and mean it, or to to do it just to fire up me and or Scott? Like, they're both pretty bad. Um, <laughs> listen, if I were the commissioner, I would 100% overturn this trade. This is this is where vetoes do come in. This doesn't have to be collusion. A trade like this should never go through. Um, I'd overturn it. I don't think I'd overturn the trade, but I might penalize the owner who did it, uh, future draft pick. You can't just do that. Like, really? That's not in the bylaws. And they'll both do that. You can't do that. Commissioners are, you're not Roger Goodell. I'm the commissioner. You can't tell me what to do. All right. (laughs) Tim from Olympia. I'm in a pretty old, relatively serious 14 team family points league. Most of the owners have been in it for 10 plus years. In the last couple of years, the commissioner has made some rule changes without running them by the league. This year, after the draft, he changed the league so that... Uh, okay, this year, after the draft, he changed the league so that all unrostered players were on full waivers all the time. So you couldn't just do ad drops. Everybody's on waivers. This was done to limit two-start streamers. But the biggest problem with this change is that the commission didn't tell anyone we were switching to full waivers until the second week of the season. So a fellow owner drafted his team with weak pitching, planning to be able to stream those two-start guys. How do I handle this with the commissioner? Should I ignore it since it doesn't affect my team much? 
Um, should I ask him to switch back to last year's rules and wait until next season to make the full waivers change? What should we do if he refuses? He's also my stepdad. <laughs> well, the first I, thing I, I would do is scream in his face, you're not my real dad. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Get drink some coffee. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else would you do? Maybe throw in a you're not the boss of me. Okay, that's better. Okay. Um, I would just maybe do a very public posting on the message board suggesting that we not have any more rules changes without um, league vote. Uh, I, I wouldn't go that far. I, I'm okay with commissioners making unilateral changes, but there does have to be forewarning. You know, you can't have it after the season's already started, which is the case when you talk about a draft. Um, I don't even I don't even necessarily mind uh, throwing it out there. Hey, guys, do you mind if we make this change, even though we've already drafted them, as long as there's not too much objection to it, go ahead and making the change. But um, from the perspective of making changes in a general sense, if everybody has enough warning that they can adjust to it, I think it's fine. If they have that big of a problem with it, they'll say, I don't want to play any, in the league anymore. But as the commissioner, you're doing the legwork, and I think you get to set the rules because of it. I don't know. It's just, like, think about this. Think of, If you're the owner that drafted based on last year's rules, and now all of a sudden in week two you find out those rules have changed, you're going to be rightfully very angry. What are you going yeah. to do? Oh, you yeah. Say, no, I, I, I started off angry. It, I, I said I said it's he shouldn't have made this change. He this shouldn't change have, but, but the, the question is not running it by everybody first. But we're not the fantasy, you know, judgmental. Like we're not going to just judge it. We have to do something about it. Like what do you do? You know, like what do you do if you're the if you're Tim, who is not the commissioner? He's this commissioner's stepson. Uh, you know, do you well, I, demand I think sending a passive aggressive note to the whole league? Like he mentioned, is one is a fine way to do it trying to convince the commissioner one-on-one that this is a bad idea is another fine way to do it. If you can't convince him, your choices are to either live with it or quit the league. I say you you tell the commissioner, say, Dad, can I call you Dad? I think you should go back to last year's rules and implement the full waivers rules next year. And that will be a beautiful father-stepson moment. And thank you for listening to the Fantasy Regulators and to the rest of the show. Friday, uh, our show on Friday, we always preview the week ahead, so we'll look at two-star pitchers, maybe give you some hitting advice as well. Uh, please send your emails to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I'm Adam Azer for Scott White, and Heath Cummings. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today.